IBTS podcast. Oh man, I'm so excited. Also, I've been on a break, but uh, I apologize to anyone who's been consistently listening. I'm back. I needed a little bit of a, I was on a burnout, but my guest today, none other than Mr. James Waller. Thank you. Thank you, Ian Blackwood. Happy to be here. <laughs> Dude, thank you. Um, for those who don't know Mr. James Waller, um, he is a teacher. Uh, you were a, was it a poli-sci major that you did? Uh, I did uh, a poli-sci major in university with a law minor. That was Carlton, right? Um, uh, uh, yeah. Ditch those sunglasses. There you go. Oh, there they are. That was, uh, that was Carlton in, in, in our, in our, uh, our great capital of Canada, right? That's right. Ottawa. Yeah. Nice. I went, uh, I went in undergrad, uh, political science for three years, uh, with a minor in law and decided to go to teacher's college after that, get my bachelor of education. There you go. And, um, you know, it was, it's kind of a funny path, right? Because you don't expect somebody that's into politics and into law and, you know, they would probably want to become a lawyer. Well, yeah, that's what I always thought. I'm like, oh, he's going to be a lawyer. Yeah. Well, I I wanted to be a politician and uh, usually people that go into politics have a background in law, right? You know? Um, And when I was growing up, it was like, it was during the Bush years and all of that. And uh, it was kind of the first time I'd ever really been exposed to um, people that were really passionate on both sides about politics and stuff like that. And I wasn't particularly passionate one way or another, but I found the whole world fascinating and uh, particularly like political comedy and satire and stuff like that. So I thought by moving out to Ottawa, I'd be, I'd have a front row seat and see what's going on in Canadian politics. Yeah, and, cool. uh, yeah, I, uh, I was a little disillusioned with what I saw there, needless to say. And, uh, so I, I changed routes and decided to go into teaching. The world has an interesting, uh, an interesting, uh, ta- we, we get an interesting taste of it once we get out of a, get out of the towns we grow up in and the cities we grow up in and the world had, yeah, it's a very interesting, uh, perspective, right? Once you get out of what you're used to and then you get into another place and, Sometimes it's not at all, it's all cracked up to be, right? And, yeah. Or what you all, you know, what you expected it to be. But, um, well, so first of all, I want to let everyone know here, Jamie and I go way back. Way back. So, so far as back as I call him Jamie, I don't really know. I guess I just call you Jamie because all our friends were also named Jamie, but he's actually James, but I still call him Jamie. My parents call me Jamie too. <laughs> yeah, right? Unless they're upset with me, then they call me James. And we, <laughs> oh, that's when you knew you were in trouble? That's when I knew I was that's in trouble, yeah, the, yeah. The big, the big bad one? They'll oh, switch okay. over. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, uh, so James, Jamie, we go way back, back to being, you know, three, four, five years old. We met just before we even went to kindergarten together. Yeah. And we grew up, went all through public school together, public school system. We, well, actually, we were pulled apart in kindergarten, and we were never actually in the same class after. That's right. We got into trouble our first day of kindergarten. This is a funny little story. Um, we, I, I guess we were just talking out of order, or maybe we were coloring or something. I don't know. Something happened, and anyway, our teacher got... Did you, do, you, do you remember what happened? I, I know what happened, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, this is actually kind of a, a formative moment for me. Is and it? It's, it's something that's, that's kind of guided me in my career since then. Um, but yeah, when we were in kindergarten... Um, we were in the same, uh, AM class, right? And, uh, we were friends already. Like you said, we used to meet up and we'd go play Star Wars figures, Ghostbusters and all that. And we knew each other really well. And not a lot of kids when they go into kindergarten have a really good friend there. And so we knew each other. We didn't need to really listen to the teacher or take part in the activities. And I think me and you went and played the piano. Um, we'd been in Music Makers That's already right. together. So we were and used to playing music. Music Makers was, uh, was it a weekend thing or was it... 
Yeah, I think it was a weekend thing. It, it was, was like, like a camp, right? It was like a musical type camp where kids would get yeah. together and we would all like, we play simple instruments like the recorder, yeah, simple, the, uh, small uh, I drums. I was a tambourine. You yeah. Were ta- yeah, percussion I was stuff, unreal so. on the tambourine. So that's how we, yeah. So you and I were used to kind of letting loose and music makers. So we were just being simple kindergartens thinking we could let loose in kindergarten, but didn't really understand full structure yet. And I think, Well, yeah, that, that would have been the only structure we had right. up to that point. So right, for, right. for us, you know, it made sense. We're together. We're in this, you know, kind of structured environment. Let's go play music. Yeah. And we did. And that was when, uh, yeah, we had to go put our heads down on the desk. Um, I remember I hated going to school after that. I didn't realize that, you know, you're not supposed to enjoy yourself or play music. And uh, my parents, both teachers, um, were really outspoken about how awful that, you know, that happened to us. Mm -hmm. And of course, you need to have rules and regulations in the classroom and things like that. But it's definitely shaped the way that I teach and the way that I you know, instruct in the the classroom and and use my rules and regulations and things like that. It's, uh, it's, it was an informative experience for me. I I find it fitting that my first sort of like problem, uh, my, you know, getting into trouble in school was because I was playing music. Yeah. I find that very interesting in that I kept playing music. But you and your family have never really uh, done much in the music industry, right? Not your entire life, so... No, I'd say it's, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Good thing that wasn't encouraged early on. So from kindergarten, man, we go far back. Well, I wanted to have you on, first of all, because you're my best friend. Uh, James here was the best man at my wedding. Um, and uh, we've, yeah, we've just been friends forever. I also we, hosted your bachelor party up that, in my cottage. That's right, he it's did. a good time. Yeah, and... Uh, in a, in a tiny little town called Gravenhurst, uh, Muskoka, Ontario. Little old town of Gravenhurst, Ontario, yeah. <laughs> nice. um, but yeah, I want to have you on. I mean, there's, and I, you know, we're going to touch base on all this stuff because I want to go back. Uh, you're an expat now and you've been living in, in Hong Kong, China for um, eight years, is it? Yeah, I'm going into my ninth year now. Ninth year, wow. So, um, so we're going back like, yeah, because I mean, I've been almost married for almost nine years. So yeah, you left the, the year... I got married, I guess. 2009 was when I got married. So. Yeah, you, you got married in 2009, and I believe I left uh, at the end of 2009 or the beginning of 2010. Amazing. Uh, well, yeah, it would have been my first school year over there. Okay, so let's, okay, let, let's talk about this. So you're a poli-sci guy. You're, so, and before, um, before Carleton, before uh, Ottawa, and, um, what were you doing before that? I was working at Sunrise Records. You I was were the manager managing of a record store. A music store. Here comes music again. That's right. Getting in trouble in kindergarten for music. Here you are, music uh, managing a music managing store. Managing a music store and uh, working part time as a background actor with you. That's right. Uh, until you got your principal agent. That would have been, yeah, 2004, yeah. 2005 ish, right? Left yeah, us yeah. Uh, background guys in the <laughs> dust. Uh, that was fun, though. It was fun. Yeah, well, we did, we also went and did Second City together. We were doing some acting classes together because you still were, has helped me out quite a bit. Yeah, I think. right. The improv, you know, it, that, that's something that you can apply to any field. Really, having the ability to improv, it's it's so helpful. I think so. I remember there was a couple of uh, students in the class that weren't even actor types. I remember. Yeah, I, I, sure. I think they I remember some of them were just there. They were corporate types trying to get better at public speaking. Yeah, and they went and did this uh, Second City for anyone. Who I'm sure most listeners that who listen to the podcast know what the Second City is, but there's um there's different types of schools in some cities like Chicago and uh, Toronto, they do, they do courses and improv courses. And I found it extremely helpful in my acting world. And in, in, like you said, in general, in just life. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it, it gets you over the, you know, having to stand up in front of other people and make a fool of yourself and you start to embrace it. Right. Yeah. And uh, once you realize that everybody's nervous about the same thing and everybody's worried about standing up there and putting themselves out there, it becomes a lot easier. And when you get some practice at it and you get a chance to do it, especially in a really silly and fun way, yeah, it, it kind of lets you put 
all that nerves behind you. And it's, it's something I still use in my career, like a lot of the skills that I took from there. I'm still waiting for your, uh, your stand-up career to start. <laughs> uh, but okay, so yeah, so we're going back. You're managing a Sunri- Sunrise Records. Sunrise right? Records, yeah. And then we're doing a little bit of, we were doing BG acting. And then we were doing some acting classes. But what, what was the spark with, okay, I, I got to go uh, poli sci? Well, uh, that, was, that was right around the time when I knew um, my job at, at Sunrise was not going to be a career for me. Um, I always had pretty good grades, uh, coming out of high school for whatever reason, I didn't pursue university right out of high school. I think I needed a few years, you know, to just kind of get out there and see what the world was like. I think lots of us do. Yeah. Work for a little while, see what I could get on my own first without it. Put in a few good days that season. Yeah. Put in a few days that season, (laughs) get humbled maybe a little bit by, by my opportunities. Um, and I always kind of had it in the back of my mind. I wanted to go post-secondary and I wanted to get a university degree. Mm. (laughs) Um, and that was the opportunity for me to do it. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I wanted to go into politics or journalism. But what pushed me into teaching um, was while I was in uh, poli-sci and law, um, still kind of fully expecting to go into politics or law as a career, um, I was working at The Source by Circuit City, and I was selling uh, cell phones mm-hmm. on contracts. And there were all these people coming in with their contracts, and their phones were breaking. It was usually older people, and they were coming in with broken phones. And I could never help them. I had to sell them like either an outright phone or sign them up for a new three-year plan. And I just remember like, you'd make a great commission doing it. And um, I was just never very good at it. I I always felt so bad. And I knew that I wouldn't be able to do that long-term. They actually wanted to fire me at one point because I would just start outright telling them like, I don't think this is the way to go for you. I don't think you want to sign up for this. Um, you were being so honest to the I customers. was being so honest, hey, man. but it was just, the, it, it was it. just the way that it sat with me, you know, and yeah. I know it's totally cliched, but I knew that, it, um, you know, for a career, something that would be sustainable for yeah. me, I needed to find, um, something that I was finding fulfillment more than just getting myself a paycheck, right? more than just being able to make a little extra money. Mm-hmm. And I know it's, it is totally cliche that you're going to help the youth and you're going to help kids. But that summer I, I started volunteering in a classroom. Okay. And as I mentioned, both of my parents were teachers, both working in special education, both were really successful and really passionate. Yeah. This about goes it. back into your blood, your bloodline. This, yeah. This, it does. Yeah. yeah. And it's how I grew up. I yeah. tutored when I was in high school. I was in youth aiding youth, um, helping underprivileged kids. Didn't know that by the way. I, I was, yeah, for two years. Um, And it was just something that it was always a reward in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that it's easy or it's something that, you know, you would, you would want to do all the time. It's exhausting and it takes a lot out of you. But I found a way that, you know, at the end of the day, I was happy with what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And since then I pursued it. That's amazing. Was there a, was there a, like, was it, was it the source moment where you're like, I don't want to do law anymore. I want to be a teacher or was it? Like, yeah, that in combination with other things, it was it was being at the source. It was going into uh, some of the MPs' offices at Parliament Hill and getting to know them, and finding out that if I were to volunteer for them instead of you know being in the classroom and working with kids, I'd basically be fundraising. I'd basically be going door to door and fundraising, and that's a huge part of what politicians do, right? right? And I mean, they have to, right? They a lot of them have you know their goals and their agendas, and they want to get out there, and they have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's the reality of, of that world, at least at that level of it. So, I, you know, I was never going to be, you know, the, the, the outspoken politician with all my great ideas to change the world. I was, I was looking at, you know, a good 20 to 30 years of paying my dues and fundraising and hacking it out. And it just wasn't the day-to-day that I wanted. 
And it is a lot of that. Eh? Like it's a lot of that. Yeah. Years of hitting the pavement again. And I mean, you can argue the fact that you'd already been kind of hitting the pavement with a manager, you're working your way up to management at Sunrise and you're kind of thinking, okay, I need a career shift and another career shift. Like, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. But you kind of got bit by the bug of, of warmth in that you were like, okay, wait a minute. You're seeing these people come in, they're pleading their case. My cell phone's busted. I got to do this. And all you want to do is you want to do the right thing, but you got a company telling you that you can't necessarily do the right thing. And yeah, it's hard. I mean, you know, you're, you're trying to support yourself and yeah. in many ways support your family. And, uh, um, but I, yeah, I, I just knew that I needed something that was more sustainable. Something I'd be able to come home at the end of the day and be like, I did a good job today. Or I did something that I like doing. I call that the grown ass adult moment. <laughs> I like that. You had a bit of a grown ass adult moment. It kind the of GAA, smacked you. Yeah. yeah. You were still younger, but you were like, oh, maybe I do. Yeah. Yeah. Grown ass. Nice. I like the abbreviation. Um, okay. Well, so I want to move into, so you, you're, you think of the teaching, but what, so where does Hong Kong play in this? All right. Well, um, well, before that, actually, we can talk about your, where was your placement? Yeah. So that, that's what led me to Hong Kong. Okay. When I was in teacher's college, we got the opportunity to do overseas uh, placements and I chose Jamaica. Of all places. Of all places. I chose Jamaica. And Kingston. of course, I, I chose Jamaica because of the, you know, the beaches and the sand and all of that. Yeah. You knew it was going to be all, it was just going to be beaches and sand. It's going to be beaches and sand. <laughs> that's all it was going to be. And I got a placement right in Kingston, Jamaica, right in downtown Kingston, Jamaica. It was all my right. second teaching placement. So I got a chance to do one here in Halton. Okay. But I mean, you got to understand that at this Halton, point- Halton, everyone just sort of knows that's in Burlington, Ontario, which is where Jamie and I are born and raised. So that's the, right, the yeah. Halton district is, is the, uh, yeah, it's the it's the Halton board of, of education there in Burlington. So continue, sorry. So so I had, you know, about a week of classroom experience more than you have right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's about the level I was going into this week. <laughs> um, so I got, I got put into uh, a grade eight classroom. And I'll never forget my first day. Grade I eight in, King, in Jamaica. In Kingston, Jamaica. Okay, yeah. I was put into a grade What grade classroom. were you doing in Burlington before, the week, the one week before? Uh, it was a grade one. Okay, so it's you went grade from one. grade one in yeah. the Halton District Board of That's Education, right. Canada, Ontario, and then you went <laughs> to grade eight, Kingston, Jamaica. That's right. Okay, Again, I just really want to... <laughs> one week more experience than you have <laughs> sitting across from me right, right now. Okay. Um, so yeah, I went in, I walked into the classroom, and the teacher walked up to me and looked at me and she said, good luck. <laughs> and she got, she got in her car and she left. <laughs> and I was... Th- th- she got the fuck out of there. She got out of there. <laughs> she got right out of there. And I, was st- I went to the front of the classroom and I had no management strategies. Yeah. I had no confidence in my ability to right. control these kids. <laughs> and I went in and got up to the front and I had my lesson ideas, my lesson plans. I was going to deliver a wonderful, well-structured lesson. <laughs> And Here comes Mr. James plans. Waller, That's... fresh out of Ontario, Canada. Here he comes. Oh, yeah. O- oversized uh, suit for Moore's the Suit people. Yep. Just sweating it out. <laughs> totally oversized suit. Um, yeah, it was unbelievable. And I, I got up in front of the kids and, you know, they didn't, they didn't want to hear what I had to say. They were talking over top of each other. And, mm-hmm. and what happened was there was a couple of girls at the back that got into a fight. A, a fist fight broke out in the classroom. Um, the one girl grabbed the other one, pushed her over the desk. A desk went flying. I think other kids got up. They were chanting for them to fight. And I was up at the front, you know, no strategies whatsoever. Like a couple of things I'd picked up in class, but just losing it. Like, hey, you've got to stop doing that. <laughs> and I think because, you know, my response was just not what they were used to. Yeah. It caught everybody off guard. And they were kind of laughing and they were like, you know, what do you, what do you want to do, Mr. Waller? And I was like, I'm trying to teach you about Canada. Wow. And, um... 
I, I somehow I got him back on track. Uh, it was a real eye opener, and I, I definitely read a lot more about management after that. Oh, but, I uh, bet that's to that. That is, I've said this before. That's to the lions on that one. To the lions, threw you right in there. Hey, good luck. Yeah, not necessarily a bad thing, but uh, <laughs> no. Hey, sometimes that's the best way to learn. Sometimes right? it's the best way. Yeah. To, well, to this day, it's probably my most difficult classroom teaching experience for sure. Dude, uh, yeah, I wish, yeah, we could definitely. I'm sure we could argue that it probably has been absolutely. Yeah, but yeah. also probably some serious character building for you too. Yeah, I learned a lot. And, ex- and examples that you can bit, that yeah. you can go back to of like, oh, remember that time? Like, yeah, yeah. Like at least it's not that. Yeah. Um, How were the kids though? Were they pretty awesome? Like after after that day, they were really awesome. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, again, like super creative kids. There was a lot of music, a lot of musical talent. You know, yeah. there was a lot of people that did their own thing. They they had uh, their own groups. Some of them were into reggae music. Some of them were into dance hall, and like it was just it was cool. It was really cool getting to know them and like getting to experience a culture from the ground up, like knowing what their day-to-day life is like and being a part of that, being a part of their education, being a part of the institution. And just, it, it gave me the travel bug first and foremost. Yeah. Of, you know, I want to get out and see more places and really learn about what other places are like. But it also, it, you know, it opened me up to the idea that, hey, like, I can teach, you know, I don't have to stick around Burlington or even Toronto or Ontario. You know, I can take this, what I've learned now, and I can look for opportunities anywhere. Totally. And that's where um, Hong Kong comes in because it was the next year. Right. Um, it was at a job fair at Queen's University. They do a job fair for education. And uh, a Canadian international school was uh, interviewing there. And I interviewed and got waitlisted. And uh, eventually uh, they called me up and offered me grade one, which was my first placement. I had uh, Back experience to grade in one. Back to grade one. Yeah. And I went and did uh, two years as a grade one homeroom teacher, uh, then did four years, grade three homeroom. I uh, got a leadership position as a team leader there. And then now I do, um, I teach uh, technology and I'm what's called an ICT educational specialist. So I work on the implementation of technology and really innovation to try to push forward our school program and try to make our students, our staff, everything cutting edge innovators so that our students are future ready, that they have the tools they need to succeed so that no matter what their interests are, what their passions are, that, you know, we have so much at our disposal now that kids are empowered. Kids can do it on their own now, right? Yeah. right? Um, we were talking about that, about pla- your, um, Jamie runs a podcast for everybody, just so you guys know, it's, it's an education sort of centric podcast, but I mean, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, if people are interested in, in, in stepping outside of whatever podcast you're used to listening to, he runs a podcast called Teaching It Real. Teaching little, It Real. little play on the... That's right. Thanks for the plug there. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a review. We, and on your, uh, some of your recent episodes, you were talking about, um, just how like, I mean, we can talk about it right now. Platforms that are available now, which is when they weren't when we were young. And how, yeah. like, for example, podcasts, uh, publishing online, like all these things, how they're, they're available now. And software programs that are so much more user-friendly that allow students, kids, uh, creators to be more creative. So, And I guess, so you're in the field of sort of um, getting into that early with the kids, right? And showing them... Very like, early. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, uh, my role started as uh, junior kindergarten to grade six, and I did technology implementation all the way from wow. junior kindergarten through grade six. Now I do junior kindergarten through grade 12, through high school. Um, so yeah, it's, it's for 
every different level of, of readiness of, uh, you know, kids that are sometimes kids that are in grade one, you know, they've got ideas way outside the box, but they're able to create now. Right. So we have everything. We have everything from robotics. We've got uh, coding that they start doing early coding, they, like uh, like software coding or yeah, it, like so, all, uh, different kinds of coding HTML or does that even exist anymore? I don't even oh, know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah HTML is yeah. huge okay. um, uh, for web design and things like that. Yeah. So the goal is we want to have scaffolded programs, right? So that the kids kind of understand early um, the value of coding and yeah. where it's applied um, because there's so much now for for kids that graduate high school and know how to code. There's, you know, there's a lot out of there for, for kids that um, that are still in school, but they have these ideas and these abilities. They can start coding their own apps. They can start making their own websites. Um, so for me, um, it's, it's really about giving them the ideas and showing them what's possible. So we start with something called block coding. Uh, and that's what I do in junior kindergarten, um, usually up till about grade three. And block coding is uh, systems like Scratch, you might have heard of. I haven't. Um, Explain Scratch, please. So Scratch is uh, free software. It was developed by MIT. Uh, it's to introduce kids to coding. And basically all it is, is uh, you start with a sprite and it's a little cartoon cat. And you can drop in existing blocks of code and connect them together. And you can make your cat do anything. You can animate it so it's a little show when you press play. Or you can make it so that it's controlled with your keyboard. So that it can be a little video game. And you can drop in any backgrounds you want. You can change your characters. So I've got kids that do everything from, you know, make a Flappy Bird video game uh, to, to try to make their own little animated TV show and put it on the internet. Wow. Um, and uh, so it's, it's really, it's, it opens their eyes to what's possible through coding. And then when they get into high school, you want them to start learning a little bit more about like Python, which they might be able to use for something like apps or something like that. And what's Python? Is that another? It's a, a coding language, okay. right? Um, and there's all sorts of different coding languages like Java or HTML. There's so many of them now out there. My head is exploding. Um, <laughs> and and it's, it's not even about teaching the kids the specific languages. Mm-hmm. Um, at least not at my level. I teach up to grade nine in terms of classroom teaching. Um, and I, I just like them to know what's out there and have some sort of foundation so that they're able to explore it further on their own. They're able to come see me and ask me questions about it because all of their needs and their ideas and their passions are so wildly different. Right. You know, and you hear people talk about multiple intelligences. Yeah. Goes back to us when we were kids and we loved music. Mm-hmm ended up being a big part of your life. Yeah, yeah, and they, absolutely. And I got they, in trouble for it and just, just realizing it now and getting in trouble for it and then also making it part of my career, yeah. Absolutely. Right, and so for me, I want to be part of a team of teachers, part of a group of teachers that believes, you know, we shouldn't get people in trouble for having that kind of passion. Right, right. We should, you know, encourage them and show them what's possible. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a little bit about teaching them the realities, you know, of what those industries are like down the road and things yeah. like that. But there is... There's something great about being able to give kids tools to be, give them the power, empower them to create and share. And now they can have huge audiences, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they have a real global audience now. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to, th- to think about. And I love that you, you bring this up on your, on your podcast, Teaching It Real, plugging it again. Um, I, I do love that because I, I do think about us being younger and having all these great ideas, but not really having the platforms. And now it's like, it's, it is a... It's a, I mean, you can argue a lot. You can argue so many things. Online bullying is a negative for the internet. But you can argue that, well, the internet also provides platforms for people who want to be published and want to get things out there and their ideas out there. So anyway, I, I just, yeah, I love that you, I love that you're, you're getting so, so deep and passionate about this. Because, I mean, do you know, okay, on that note, are they teaching that kind of stuff here? 
Well, I, I, I've been reading a little bit about it since I've been back. And even I, know, while I mean, I was I mean there, you've been gone for almost a decade. So, of course. I've been, go- I've been gone for quite a while. But yeah. I mean, I do know, you know, there were changes made to the curriculum this year. Um, that to me, it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit sad because um, they were starting to teach things like digital citizenship is what I call it, which is. Um, yeah, which we, we should talk about that. That's a that's a pretty big thing. You, you've been you know we've been talking off camera a little bit about that about your sort of online identity and stuff like that. Yeah, right? and, and part of that is you know who you are when you're using the internet, who right. you are online, how and, it's going to stick with you, right? And how it will, right? Yeah. And how it will now. And and we're past now. We're well past the phase where uh, teachers and schools are hoping you know social media is a fad and kids are going to give up on it. Yeah, I even still say some days I'm like, oh man, that's social media. I don't know about this, but I mean, it, yeah, I don't know. I, Sometimes I wanted to go away, but I, it's like you say, you don't think it is. And you're, I don't think it you, is. You, you've got no. a kind of a leg up in that you're seeing, I mean, you're teaching the young ones and you're, you're seeing the new tech come out and you're getting your hands in deep with the new tech. And you're, so, so you're saying you're, you're a, big, a big believer that it's sticking around. Well, in, in some form or in fashion, form of fashion I, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that now that we have, yeah. you know, global audiences and, and kids and adults, you know, we yeah, it's all not just going to go away. Everything would kind of have to go right, away. We would have right. to go back to an age of like dial up computers with poor website you know, quality. And like, we'd have to go back that way. Right. And right. are we going to, I don't think so. Yeah. And, and, you know, and we can debate all day about whether or not that would be a good thing. Right. And, and, uh, obviously there, there's some pros and cons to it, but yep. to me, it's like, you know, this technology has a lot of great that right. it can do as well mm-hmm. because it does give kids platforms yeah. and there are real examples, right? There are real examples of kids that have come up with inventions. Um, the, here's an example is a girl named, uh, Deepika Kurup, uh, from India. Uh, she uh, was an American student, uh, Indian American, went back to India, uh, saw that there was no clean drinking water where she was from, and her high school at that time was doing uh, sort of one of the UN Sustainable Development Goals challenges, where kids had a design challenge. They could come up with you know whatever they wanted. They could build something to try to address a real world problem. And so she came up with something called a, a photocatalytic converter that uses solar power and a plastic water jug to clean dirty drinking water and make it able for use for people. And uh, it, I mean, it worked so well and it was so affordable. It was so cheap to make this technology. Uh, she actually got invited to the White House. And uh, during the Flint water crisis in Michigan, she, was, uh, she got to go talk to the president. She got to go sit on a panel and talk to people that were experts in the field of water purification. And uh, still, most recently, I, I've looked up about her uh, she is on social media. She does share what she does, yeah. and she's still in the field. There you go. You know, um, that's and I mean that's a that's an amazing story. I was also reading there's the uh, uh, the four ocean story about the well, to clean the oceans, right? And um, we know, had we, an example of through them at my school this year. We, would, would they be able to do it right without these platforms? Would they be able to do this type of you know change? Like, would they be able to help? I don't know, right? So that's why we can we can sit here and argue. Well, is the internet a good place? Is it a bad place? But it's clearly. <laughs> A good place. In it, the, it's, certain, it's certainly <laughs> the, the technology and the audience certainly empowers them to right. be able to at least share what, yeah. you know, what ideas they have, whether or not it's realistic, they're able to fundraise and they're able to show results. Yeah. And that is pretty incredible. You know, they don't have to wait for, for an institution to give them an opportunity. Kids now with ideas, with creativity and with the ability to make real change, uh, they're doing it already. And they're probably going to be the generation that saves us. <laughs> I feel so. like, you know, sitting here talking with you, and I mean, I, we talk all the time, and um, we even talk via 
via apps in our phones when you're, you know, over in, in Hong Kong. You're just very passionate about the kids. You seem very passionate about them. Um, I just, I find that it's, it's warming. I find it um, very positive and exciting. And I, I see the excitement when you talk about it. And, uh, and I just think, I think that's, I think that's what, um, I think that's what makes, I, f- I feel like that's what makes a good, good teacher is someone who's passionate about not only what they're doing, but a passion about the kids that they're sort of uh, educating and sort of empowering with this tech and with this information. And I just wanted to say that just because I think it's a cool high compliment. Yeah, I appreciate well, it. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know. Well, I, I would agree with you on that as well. And it's like, uh, you can tell you're passionate about it and that's a good thing, man, because there's not a lot of people passionate about their jobs. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying is, uh, but there are, there are a lot of good teachers that are, you know, and it's, yes. it's certainly not, uh, teachers, you know, they, they go into it often for, you know, reasons like I explained, it's that they, they find the, the joy and the passion beyond the job, right. right? Of, of how they see the world and how they see their place to contribute to it. Mm-hmm. And that's why most teachers are where they are, right? And um, I, I work with a, a great group of teachers, both in my organization and in the community around Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. I work with teachers from here, from Toronto and from the surrounding area. That's right, yeah. And because of social media, we're able to stay in touch. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. share ideas. We do projects together. We link our classes up. You know, it's... It's it's totally different than when we went to school. Yeah, you know, there's no more heads down on the piano. We're we're giving them new ways to play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, so how come? Okay, <clears throat> so why? So Hong Kong is you because you went to uh, you went to uh, it was like a presentation to for hiring or whatever, and you got you got an interview. But um, did you ever were you ever pounding the payment here before you decided to? I did, yeah. To, I did for a year. I, yeah, you uh, did, okay. So I, I worked for the YMCA right. uh, doing a before and after school program. Okay. I was working at a school in Halton. I, I think I started at uh, 5.30 in the morning. I did wow. like 5.30 to 8.30 in the morning, and then I would do 3.30 to 6.30 in the evening. Right. Uh, it was something like that. And during the days, I would volunteer. Wow. So I would work before and after the school day. And during the school day, I'd volunteer basically to lend a hand in right. classrooms of teachers that I, you know, built a relationship with. And uh, for a while, and I think it still is kind of that way here, that's how teachers have to get put on because there's not a whole lot of jobs. You know, it's uh, it's tough to, especially if you're looking in the, the public system, right. to get put on in the public system. There's not a ton of opportunities and you really, really have to work at it. So I did that. Uh, I did that for about a year, yeah. and then I found a chance to dive right in, to start working my own classroom right out of the gate. And uh, sure, I had to move to the other side of the other side of the <laughs> world to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been there for nine years. I'm happy with with the adventure that I've been on, and and I'm planning on on being there for the foreseeable future. And um, well, you're. I mean, you're happily married. You're starting to. You've got a family now. You're raising kids. You're two your beautiful own. kids. That's right. Yeah, Milo and Stefan. So that's. I mean, it, you know, it's it, it's the dream to some. Sometimes some people don't realize they've got to go the other way, halfway across the uh, the planet to uh, achieve their uh, their careers. But yeah, and I, you know, I, I miss a lot about my life here and my my friends, and my family here, obviously, Hey-o. which which are uh, really important to me. Mm-hmm. But I still see you guys. You know, every year I'm I'm home at some point, and I still see you guys, and because of social media, <laughs> we're able to stay in touch so well, you know, it, it really feels like we don't miss a step. And no, it, it's true. We get, we kind of, we, we pick right up where we left off kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, we're always, um, yeah. I mean, even though we do keep in touch on 
apps that are social, social media. media. <laughs> I do want to talk a little more about, okay, because we didn't dive deep into the online identity stuff that you've been teaching, I don't think. Because, Let's dive deep. Well, a little bit deep, because I want to talk about the, so the, the, the way you feel about the importance of the online identity and the way sure. you're teaching it and how you're saying it can be with you. So talk a little bit about it, man, just about how you kind of like go about it. Because you're, you're also, you say you're teaching grade ones to nines, right? Well, yeah, junior kindergarten. Uh, junior kindergarten to 12, I do technology integration. So I see, I see everything. You see everything. That, and then you also have to like mitigate how you teach certain things to certain kids, right? And oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. My, my lessons. Like the social media for a seven-year-old versus the social media for a 14-year-old right. is completely different, it's, right? Yeah, it's completely different. So maybe walk us through just a little bit of how you're like, kind All of right. like, so, um, what you're doing to... Yeah, I, uh, we, we start uh, really early. We do start in junior kindergarten. We use a program called Seesaw, which looks a lot like Instagram. Okay. The, the way that the layout of it is like Instagram. But wow. basically what it does is uh, the kids are able to take pictures and videos of what they're doing in class and post it on uh, a closed environment. It's not a public site. Right. Um, but it's connected to their parents. So let's say, uh, you know, you had a son or daughter and they made a, a Father's Day card and took a picture of it and posted it. You'd get a notification on your phone that your son has just posted something and you open it up and you can like and comment on it. And the idea is they get used to sharing, but not sharing, you know, the way some people use social media. You know, it's not just a bunch of selfies right. and a, ben- a bunch of materialistic self-indulgent things. Right. They're showing what they can do. Right. Right. And, and that's really... It's a glorified version of the paint or of the drawing on the fridge, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it gives them, you know, it gives them a chance to engage online mm-hmm. and they get to see positive comments. They get to see likes. They get to see their, their fellow classmates looking at their work, responding to their work, encouraging them, and they practice being good digital citizens. And uh, that's early, early on because mm. as you know, we're both on Twitter. Yep. Um, Not anymore. I'm no. gone. No, you left. No, I just left though. Too much so. cyberbullying. <laughs> but I, mean, uh, I just got tired of it. But no, it, it's it's well. A, it's, well, you you said you got tired of it, right? And and part of that is probably some of the the conversation that you see taking place on there. Yeah. It's, it's it's not always so nice. Well, also it's in my life too. I'm 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 trying to. Uh, I'm sorry. We'll get right back on rail there. I just wanted to get a lot off the rail for a minute just to interject because there's just a part of me that's becoming more. Um, I guess just aware of that my life is out there and I don't know how much I want it to be out there anymore. So, right. Of certain things. Like, you know, it, it, it's uh, acting, music kind of stuff. That's different. I've always known that that's going to be, that could be potentially a global thing. So that's fine. But starting to realize maybe the uh, the picture of me, you know, doing some gardening or something like that, maybe that doesn't necessarily need to be global. That's all. That's what I started realizing. The whole Twitter thing, I just sort of, I kind of fell off the wagon about Twitter, to be honest with you. I just wasn't use it, utilizing it really. And I don't think I was using it anymore to like, to my benefit. So I just kind of like got rid of it. Right. But right. anyway, anyways, continue. Um, so, so I would use that as an example and saying, you, you know, you do your own gardening, you grow your own food, which is, you know, universally is a great thing, right? Like it's you, a great yeah. skill to have. Yeah. It's clean food. There's a lot to learn from that. Right. So I would say, you know, people that do take the time and share that stuff out, you know, uh, connect with like-minded people, create a network, maybe start becoming influencers. You never know who's going to see it, you know, think it's really cool, who's going right. to pick up on it. And then things that are important to you, you, all of a sudden you have people that are following. Yeah. People that are doing the same thing. Right. Um, and not everybody has to be an influencer. Not everybody wants to be an influencer. Not everybody wants their life on social media. And that's totally understandable. Um, but 
I think it's better for them to learn early yeah. that what the opportunities are and how to use it in a positive way. Because the flip side of that is students that maybe don't have the chance to try it out in a safe, controlled environment. Right. And then they get out there, they don't understand that what they do is completely public, mm -hmm. could be out there forever, regardless if it's a personal account or not. Right. That there's, you know, thousands of corporations and government agencies that can get access to it anytime, no matter how private they meant a message to be. Right. Right. I mean, privacy is not really a thing anymore. Well, that's privacy. I'm going to interject. Privacy is something you've been talking to some of your older kids, and even some of the younger kids too, right? Even kind some of the younger kids. Kind of yeah. reminding them that saying, hey, even reading that little disclaimer and clicking that box, like, you know, there's, it goes deeper, right? Right. And some people don't really believe it does when it, I mean, we're seeing all sorts of things come out now with Facebook and Zuckerberg and, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, there, there was that, uh, it, it, was <laughs> Data revealed, and... it was revealed that uh, Facebook had um, not just what you had been doing on Facebook, but they had your phone contacts, who was in your yeah, cell phone. Yeah, they're going phone. deeper. They're not, yeah, not just your app, your social media app. They're going deeper in, inside. Who, who you phoned, who yeah. you text message, how long you talk to people for. So and this, I mean, what, so it's cool because you're actually kind of setting up, in a sense, you're setting up kids to understand that's part of it too, which is kind of cool because I think we're a little bit naive in our generation in that we just kind of click that box and hit enter. Whereas like, you're kind of saying, hold on, man. That's what I'm saying. There, <laughs> once upon a time, I clicked that box and hit enter. And then all of a sudden they knew everything about me from like the, my favorite color to the, the, my exact height and, you know, my aunt third generation over. So uh, yeah, what I'm saying is, you know, maybe our generation is in the habit of doing that. Mm. Always click the box, always use totally. the new technology. We don't need to look into it very much. And I'm saying with what we've learned about all the data collection that does take place, and in some ways it can be really helpful, and in some ways it's uh, what some people would consider a breach of their privacy. Right. And I just want them to know that. I want them to know what the stakes are when they use the internet. I want them to use it as a tool for, for good, um, because that's what the opportunity is there for. But I also want them to know what the consequences could be right. if they don't follow up. And it's even just planting that seed, yeah. even just giving them an introduction to, hey, who you are online will forever be connected to who you are in the real world. And what you say and what you do, it does matter. And everybody's entitled to make mistakes. Hopefully, you know, a, a silly mistake online when you're younger won't haunt you for the rest of your life. But in order for you not to be defined by a single mistake, it would be helpful if you had a lot of great things you could point to and say, this is what I do. This right. is who I am. This is what I contribute. This is what I'm about. So if I make a mistake, you know, this will not go on to define my life. And um, I think it's just helpful for kids to have that in the back of their mind and to be a little bit more analytical and a little bit more critical when they do post. That's smart. Hey. Did you see yourself getting deep into this stuff, say, five, six years ago? Did you know it was going this way? Or were you just like, here, I'm teaching a homeroom. Now, fast forward this many, almost a decade, and you're like, you're a tech, you're, you're into the tech world. You're into the social media, new sort of mod, the future of like communication. Did you see it that way? Or was it just um, something that's kind of been... It's It's been a journey. Yeah. It started though, um, I mean, your sister story is a huge inspiration for me because while I was teaching there, I was talking to you about how the, the YouTube video, she told the story on the show That's right, about yeah. how you guys were following it together and you were keeping me posted about how it was blowing up. Yeah. 
And I actually used that in a presentation to my staff about about the power of technology and how it basically empowered her and her group Mm -hmm. um, to do something that they loved. And they changed the way they reached their audience by Mm -hmm. using a piece of technology. They leveraged it to benefit them and to show the world what they could do. And it's worked out so well for them, right? Absolutely, yeah. And I think, you know, kids that know that they're able to have an audience young, the creativity was what pulled me in of having the opportunity for people like me who wanted to be a comedian or a filmmaker when I was younger, mm-hmm. right? We used to make stop motion yeah. videos yeah, using yeah. action figures and video cameras. Oh yeah, so the VHS uh, cam recorders. I still yeah. do that as, as uh, <laughs> one of the uh, projects in my class, in my yeah. grade nine class. I still do stop motion, old fashioned stop motion. Hey, that's cool though. You do the old fashioned way? I do old fashioned claymation stop motion, yeah. That's really cool though because yeah. I think it's I think as much as uh, important as it is to, to modernize, it's nothing like, it's like, I, you know, I obviously uh, make a career, my wife and I make a career out of photography, and we constantly talk about the dark rooms, going into the dark rooms, developing your own film, using the fixer and all this stuff. I think there's something always wonderful and important to learn about the, you know, it's like reading Hamlet and talking about acting, you know? So yeah. it's like going back and, and you, know, you know, kind of getting your feet wet in the old stuff. Absolutely. Because yeah. it also shows you, you get that renewed um, appreciation for the, you know, the iPad. Here's the iPad. It's like where we used to use these big cameras that weighed... As much as we did, and right, right, the, yeah. So you you want them to know where where the technologies come from, yeah. And and to me, it's more about getting the message across that it's a, it's about the art, right? It's yeah. about your idea. It's about the stories you want to tell. Mm-hmm. It's about what you want to convey to the world. And people have been doing that since the beginning of time. Yeah, we've been doing that since the beginning of action figures. <laughs> and uh, and and so it's it gets them to think more about writing a story and developing characters, and then. Now, because they're able to, you know, bring it into iMovie or Windows Movie Maker, they can add credits, they can add music, they can add visual effects, and they can use modern technology to dress it up. But it's old technology, and the fundamental basis of the project is about art. It's about telling their story. And I think, and, on, and then the, the, the secondary to that is like, okay, and they take it from there, but then they can go even further, decide to put it online, and then develop their own little fan base and develop their, their own little production. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's cool to know that they can take it. Cause we used to take it as far as our living rooms. And now you're starting to see the possibilities, <laughs> Absolutely, right? Yeah. You're starting to see it and, yeah. and it's exciting. Yeah. Right. And to, to me, that's what it's, I'm excited for the kids yeah. because I, I can't can imagine it, yeah. being a kid that had those opportunities. Yeah. It is exciting for them. And, and they have a chance to really do something that can really get them an audience and really uh, give them a chance to explore their art and their passions and tell their stories in ways that we never had the opportunity to. So that was what pulled me in. It was yeah. the creativity is what pulled me in and reading about it and learning more about it. And a lot of the stuff that's going on, you know, uh, with, with all the fake news yeah. and a lot of the cyberbullying and a lot of the divisiveness and a lot of the, the rhetoric and the angry back and forths that you see in social media, it's, it's led me to want to find a way to develop this for the better in the yeah. future, nice. you know, to solve some of the problems that have plagued our generation. James Waller, trying to solve problems that have plagued the millennial, because we are millennials. We are millennials. We're right on we the cusp. just made the cut. The yeah. millennial generation. and it goes up to 83, yeah. right? There he goes, yeah. Right on the cusp. He's trying to solve the, the problems. Okay, well, listen, we can talk forever because we're best friends and we go way back, but we're gonna, I'm going to go do the segment now um, called The Shit I'm Into. Right on. 
And I mean, today, very simple, just because I haven't really give credit to the audio systems and the editors that I use to put these podcasts together. But I use uh, Pro Tools, uh, Pro Tools 12, the most up-to-date version. They've uh, Avid used to be able to buy the program and cost hundreds, hundreds of dollars. You'd buy the software, put it in your computer. Now you can do sort of a sweet rental where you kind of rent, you rent it monthly, and you're always getting up-to-date plugins. You're always getting the, you know, the the most uh, updated software pieces, plug you know, all, all the sort of editing pieces that you need for audio. That's what I use to edit all the podcasts for the sweet audio that you guys get to listen to. So right that's, that's the shit I'm into. And I've, I've been, a, you've been using a, an avid, well, that's the company called too. Oh, there, pun intended. Um, there it is. Avid Pro Tools. I've been a big fan of them for a long time, going on almost a decade. So anyway, that's what I use to, to do all the audio. And, but it sounds my, good. That the audio quality sounded pretty good. And people seem to think it sounds all right. So I appreciate that. Everyone who's listening, everyone who's watching, uh, anyone who watches the videos, that's uh, Pro Tools audio sync into the videos as well. So it's not, uh, the audio does not go into the camera. It actually goes into a, a dark studio place over there. And then it goes through all these cool processing and then comes back out. But anyway, Jamie, James Waller, what's the shit you're into? Uh, as you know, I'm an avid uh, collector of sneakers. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to, again, go back because I collect uh, retro sneakers. That's and right. I prefer sneakers that are from the 80s and the 90s. Uh, usually mostly uh, basketball sneakers and like Air Max sneakers. And there's one that came out this past weekend in Hong Kong uh, from the movie He Got Game. Nice. Uh, Spike Lee film with Denzel Washington. Uh, Denzel Washington buys uh, the Jordan 13 uh, black and white called the He Got Game they, uh, from 1998, I think, and they just retroed it last weekend. When I get back to Hong Kong and I'm flying out tomorrow, I'm going to try to get my hands on a pair for a steal <laughs> of a deal. And uh, that's what I'm into. You nailed the date, 1998, He Got Game. Great film. Great film, too. Great film, yeah, yeah. I love it. Love it. Seen it four or five those, times. Those 90s films, you know, there's a lot of real good ones. Excellent. Got to take it back sometimes. Find the good stuff. Sometimes you got it. Uh, James, any social media you want to plug? We, we talked about your podcast. Let's plug the podcast once again, Teaching It Real. Teaching It Real is the podcast. It's available on SoundCloud and iTunes. Nice. Uh, go ahead, check it out. Leave us a review if you can. Nice. Uh, it's relatively new, and they're only 10 minutes. It's made for educators. Uh, so if you know somebody who's into education, uh, recommend it. 10-minute short listens, and it's a platform for teachers to get on and share their story too. Nice. So if there's any educators listening that would like to be part of an education podcast, uh, hit me up on Twitter. I am at MrWaller15. That's Vince Carter's number, 15. At MrWaller15. That's my Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, that's about it. I'll be presenting uh, also for anybody in Asia. I'll be at a 21st Century Learning Conference uh, doing a presentation called Bracing for Blockchain. Look out. This winter with the great Ryan Krakowski. Uh, Blockchain. See, I'm glad I was going to talk to you about 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 some of that stuff, but I realized I was like, I don't even know if I'll know what he's talking about. So I feel like I got to dip in first before we chat. We'll talk next year about we'll, it. We'll do that on another episode. Yeah. yeah, that's a whole episode in and of itself. But yeah, <laughs> uh, so that'll be next winter. If anybody's in Asia at 21st Century Learning, come check that out. Uh, and uh, that's it for me for now. Blog. You have a blog too. I have a blog, thegreatwalloveducation.com. Yes. Thanks for remembering that. Great Wall of Education. Such a good name. It's a great name. Dude, thanks so much. Um, I'm stoked that we got to do this. It's a bummer that you're, you're you're leaving me again for another year, but you're going back to do what you obviously love to do, and you're going back, obviously, to keep raising your kids, raising your family, and, and keep teaching those kids and molding the minds of the future. Thank I love you. that. Thank Thanks. You. James Waller, thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Smack, smack. Get back, we're talking smack.